Chapter Fifty Four of Haworths. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. Haworths by Francis Hodgson Burnett. Chapter Fifty Four. It will be to you. They found the key lying within the locked gate, and the dim light burning and the pistol loaded upon the table the great house stood empty with all its grandeur intact the servants had been paid their wages a few days before the crash and had gone away nothing had been moved nothing taken the creditors had found to their amazement that all was left in their hands to dispose of as they chose agreed that this was not an orthodox case of absconding Holworth was a more eccentric fellow than they had thought. One man alone understood. This was Murdoch, who amid all the buzz of excited amazement said nothing even to those in his own house. When he heard the story of the pistol and the key, his first thought was of the silence of the great place at night, the deadness of it, and the sense of desolation it brought. It was a terrible thing to remember this and then picture a ruined man, standing alone in the midst of it, a pistol in his hand, and only the low light burning. We did not understand each other very well, he said, drearily, but we were friends in our own way. And the man's farewell, as he stood at the carriage door in the shadow, came back to him again and again, like an echo repeating itself. If there's aught in what's gone by, that's for me, remember it. Even before his return home, Murdoch had made up his mind as to what his course for the next few years was to be. His future was assured, and he might follow his idlest fancy. But his fancies were not idle. They reached forward to freedom and new labors when the time came. He wanted to be alone for a while, at least and he was to return to America. His plan was to travel with a purpose in view, and to fill his life with work, which would leave him little leisure. Rachel French had not yet left her father's house. St. Mirren had gone away with some suddenness immediately after the dinner party at which the political economist had reigned. Various comments had been made on his departure, but it was not easy to arrive at anything like a definite conclusion. Miss French was seen no more in town. Only a few servants remained with her in the house, and these maintained that she was going to Paris to her father's sister, with whom she had lived before her return from abroad. They added that there was no change in her demeanor, that she had dismissed their companions without any explanation. One, it is true, thought she was rather thin, and had gone off her looks. But this version was not popular, and was considered out of accordance with the ideal of her character held in the public mind. She does nay care, it was said. She is nay hurt. Her brass is safer now, and that's all as would be like to trouble her. Pale, indeed. She's too high and moity. Murdoch made his preparations for departure as rapidly as possible. They were rather for his mother and Christian 
than for himself they were to leave broxton also and he had found a home for them elsewhere one day as they sat in the little parlour he rose hurriedly and went to christian and took both her hands try to be happy he said try to be happy he spared no effort to make the future bright for them he gave no thought to himself his every hour was spent in thinking for and devising new comfort for them but at last all was ready and there was but one day left to them the works were still closed and would not be reopened for some weeks but he had obtained permission to go down to his room and remove his possessions if he chose so on the morning of this last day he let himself into his den and shut himself up in it once behind the closed doors he began a strange labor he emptied drawers and desk and burnt every scrap of paper to ashes drawings letters all then he destroyed the delicate models and every other remnant of his past labors there was not so much as an envelope or blotting pad remaining when he had done he made a clean sweep the room was empty cold and bare he sat down at last in the midst of its desolate orderliness at that moment a hand was laid upon the door handle and the door opened there was a rustle of a woman's dress and rachel french stood before him what are you doing here heaven's name he said rising slowly to meet her she cast one glance around the bare room it is true you are going away yes he answered i am going i have done my last work here to-day she made a step forward and stood looking at him she spoke under her breath everyone is going my father has left me i a scarlet spot came out on her cheek but she did not withdraw her eyes st mirren has gone also gradually as she looked at him the blood receded from her face and left it like a mask of stone i she began in a sharp whisper do you not see do you not understand ah my god there was a chair near her and she fell into it burying her face in the crushed velvet of her mantle as she bowed herself upon the table near hush she cried do not speak to me that it should be i who stooped and for this for this that having battled against my folly so long i should have let it drag me to the dust at last her passionate sobs suffocated her she could not check or control them her slender fingers writhed in their clasp upon each other i never thought of this god knows he said hoarsely though there have been hours when i could have sworn that you had loved me once i have thought of all things but never of this never that you could repent she lifted her head that i should repent she cried repent like this no he returned i never thought of that i swear and it is you she cried with scorn you who stand there 
and look at me and tell me that it is all over is it my fault that it is all over he demanded is it no she answered this is my consolation he drew nearer to her you left me nothing he said nothing god knows what saved me i do not you loved me you battled against your love he laughed aloud i was a madman under your window night after night forget it if you can i cannot oh that i should have stooped for this you say no it is that i who have loved you should stand here with empty hands she had bowed her face and was sobbing again but suddenly she rose if i did not know you better she said i should say this was revenge it would be but a poor one he answered her coldly she supported herself with one hand on the chair i have fallen very low she said so low that i was weaker than i thought and now as you say it is over your hands are empty oh it was a poor passion and this is the fitting end for it she moved a little toward the door and stopped good-bye she said in a moment more all that was left was a subtle breath of flower-like fragrance in the atmosphere of the bare room it was an hour before he passed through the iron gates though there had been nothing left to be done inside he came out slowly and having locked the gate turned toward the broxton road he was going to the little graveyard it had been a dull gray day but by the time he reached the place the sun had crept through the clouds and brightened them and noting it he felt some vague comfort it was a desolate place where there was no sun when he reached the mound he stood looking down since the night he had lain by it looking up at the sky and had made his resolve the grass had grown longer and thicker and turned from green to brown he spoke aloud just as he had done before it is done he said your thought was that you dreamed it would be i have kept my word he stopped as if for an answer but it was very still so still that the silence was like a presence and the mound at his feet lay golden brown in the sunlight even its long grass unstirred they left broxton the next day and in a week he set sail as the ship moved away he stood leaning upon the taffrail watching a figure on the shore it was a girl in a long cloak of gray almost the color of the mist in which she stood a slender motionless figure a dark young face turned seaward he watched her until he could see her face no longer but still she had not stirred when i return he said scarcely conscious that he spoke when i return it will be to you then the grayness closed about her and she faded slowly from his sight end of chapter 54 recording by john brandon end of Haworth's by Francis Hodgson Burnett.